Welcome to Creative Spirits Unleashed, where we talk about the dilemmas of balancing work and life. And now, here's your host, Lynn Carnes. Welcome to the Creative Spirits Unleashed podcast. I'm Lynn Carnes, your host. Today, I am speaking with Nishan Cook of Nishan Cook Horsemanship. I met him indirectly via Warwick Schiller's podcast, where he was a guest in the fall. That interview blew me away. It also actually blew away Warwick, the host of the podcast. And you may remember I interviewed Warwick in May, and we had quite the conversation about personal growth, about our journeys, about fear. And of course, both Warwick and Nishan are horsemen. And they are horsemen who understand how horses can teach us, whether we ever have anything to do with horses or not. So if you've ever heard the phrase, wise beyond his years, you are about to experience that listening to Nishan speak on this podcast. We do talk about horses, but mostly we cover fear, the need to control, what forgiveness means, and so much more. I can't even begin to tell you how many quotes that I am pulling just out of this particular podcast. I also, by the way, follow him on Facebook and he writes long posts where I have started copying them over to my computer so I can find them quickly because I read them and reread them because every time I read them, I, I get some another new nugget, which I think you will as well when you listen to this podcast. We started with me asking him how he connects pain as a gift and after that, we were just off and running. So there's no way I really can do his words of wisdom justice. You'll have to listen for yourself. But let me tell you a little bit about him. His heart, here's what he says in his bio. Nishan's cook heart is for horses. He is a first-generation horseman and classical dressage trainer from inner-city Denver who has coached, competed, and trained internationally in jumping and dressage. His current training interests lay in rehabilitating inconvenient horses with major mental, physical, and emotional training-related trauma. He lives on and works on his family's farm in Parker, Colorado. This is one of those conversations I really want to hear what you, hear, what you think. You can, of course, always hit reply to my email if you happen to get this through my list. If you're hearing this and you're not on my email list, you can go to my website at lynncarnes.com podcast. And there is a voicemail button to the right, and you can click on that and send a voicemail about what your reflections were and what you thought um, about this. So it's super easy to do. It also helps me know what people love for future episodes. I hope, of course, that you will also share this with your colleagues and friends and enjoy this episode with Nishan Cook. Nishan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I cannot believe we're doing this. So I will, Why not? I, because sometimes you, you know what I'm, here's my big lesson. If we're starting right out with this, if you don't ask, you're not going to get anything. And I just right. ask you to be on the podcast and y'all, y'all who are listening don't know Nishan perhaps yet, but I feel like I have just been granted an audience with a wise person that nobody can get to. This is not true about you, I know, but because you are very accessible. But your wisdom is so strong. 
And I think I want to start by reading something so people can just get a flavor of what I'm talking about and why I'm pinching myself. Sure. So, um, and I don't even know, I have so many highlights. I have seven pages of your writings from Facebook that I have just printed off um, because I keep capturing them because I keep thinking I can't lose this. And, you know, Facebook makes things go down. So you lose them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So. I'm going to start by saying, I'm going to read this one. Um, My horse's teachings changed me. They've grown Mm. me out of personhood and peopleishness and turned me into a human being. That's the most beautiful road any one person could ever travel. The one that allows you to see everything you see is just a reflection of you seeing what you see. And the deeper I go into my pain, the easier it is to understand that people who gifted it to me so out of their own only point of reference for that particular shared space in past relationship, which allows me to have compassion for them, which is how I stay away from bitterness. Yeah. So I, what really struck me about that passage was that you put pain and gift in the same sentence. So say a little bit more about yeah. what's behind that, Nishant. Oh, um, you know, so it started, my understanding of it, you, of understanding pain as a gift started when I lived in Thailand and I had, I was speaking with a monk and he said that he has been struggling with headaches And I said, well, why don't you go get some Tylenol or Advil? (laughs) He says, because if if you go into the pain, it'll teach you something. He said, he said, fear fighting freely forward is karma at work. And so through, through being able to face what you were afraid of and what's causing you this pain, it no longer has control over your life Hmm. it creates the space it creates the space for a new point of reference because you have um you know our shadows only look so big as long as our backs are to the sun oh wow that's quite a statement okay so say that again our shadows our, our shadows are only so big because our back is to the sun. When we turn around and face the sun, our shadows mm. usually disappear. And that's kind of what facing the pain is like. When you stop running from it, it has no power over you. So did you learn that in Thailand or with horses or has it been a, how, how the heck? Because, you know, I've been at this, for a long time. I've been on a journey for well over 20 years. And what you're saying, I, it's sort of like I know it intellectually and I've occasionally experienced it, but I still think I let a shadow control me sometimes. So say more about how well, you've come to know this. Um, well, you know, my mom taught me to trust my heart and my heart taught me to trust life. Hmm. You know, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that whatever we want to learn, it's only as real as we, be- as, 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 it's only as real as we believe it's real. Right. You know, 
but you realize that there's a science to awareness and attention and there are there are documented processes and methodologies that teach you how to not allow um the busyness of the world distract you from the stillness of life yeah um and and pain for me is part of the busyness of the world it's part of it's part of the process of 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 learning how to be alive instead of just living <laughs> right um you know i mean and it's just a it's just a process of learning and and understanding but you understand though that the power of courage is only as is only as useful as your willingness to be vulnerable to to that yeah. You know, you don't yeah. have the courage to face the pain if you're not vulnerable enough to 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 acknowledge the pain. And it's actually not courage, I guess, if um, you knew it would work. No, like, that's wisdom. Yeah. The, the first step, the first step before you understand it is having the courage to try and understand it. Yeah. You acknowledge that it's a problem. You know, but then once you once you once you do that and and you see that it's possible to 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 survive this and 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 understand that um you know that your you know that your ability to stay rooted in your breath regardless of where you are will always you know if you trust your breath it'll get you through life yeah, no kidding. You know? Because we do. We do start, like, you know, when we get scared, we start breathing totally differently. We lose our breath. But yeah. as long as we can focus, as long as we can focus on our breath, regardless of what is happening, we're okay. So what's the most difficult place where you've been where you were right at the edge of losing your breath? because of the circumstances and how when do you bring mom, yourself back? Yeah. I, well, I think one of the scariest moments was my mom's bouts with cancer. Mm. Um, and I, I, I said a prayer just asking God to let me know that everything would be okay. And there was a little old woman sitting at the end of my block the first time um, that happened. And this is all I'll say about my mom. Um, but the first time that happened and she and I waved at her and it was October and it was rainy and I would listen to um, Ben Harper, and there's this beautiful song where he goes, I'm waiting on an angel uh, to carry me home. Just might be, uh, uh, won't, I, I, I hope you come to see me soon because I don't want to go alone. And I was listening to the song and it was, it was my mantra. Um, and then he says, so be kind to a stranger because you'll never know. It just might be an angel knocking at your door. Mm. And this little old woman 
named Elsa Maria was sitting on the fire hydrant at the end of my block. And I waved to her and she said, God told me to tell you that your mom is going to be okay. Oh my gosh. I just got chills. Wow. And, and she was, I mean, we, we have all the help we want if we, if we, if we have the courage to allow it. Oh, isn't allowing such a, it's for control freaks. Allowing is maybe the hardest thing of all. Um, that's, and that's the challenge that a lot of people come in with horses yeah. is that, you know, and, and with horses and with life, you know, communication ends when control begins. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's, 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 and it's, and it's, and when you're trying to control, you're always feeling like you have to conquer something. And when you, you know, you have to conquer something to get to the next place which is what a lot of horse training methodology is based on. It is. And the reason I have gotten so fascinated with this is I came out of the corporate world where yeah. control domination, I go so far as to call it economic slavery, because even people who make a lot of money are like, you know, the golden handcuffs, they are, they actually believe that they're no good or can't, I, I was one of them unless they're making their paycheck. It's really bad. And so that control and domination, fear and intimidation method. And then I learned about, you know, I've, I've trained under both different kinds of horse trainers that are sort of, I'd call it the mechanistic way, which is do this and you'll get this result. And I've trained much more deeply in the trust and connection way, which is more like you train. Well, there's, there's, well, I, there's room for it all because the majority of my work is built around healing horses' bodies. Mm. Um, mm. And I have, to, I have to know the science of the biomechanical structure. Yeah. Um, but I also have to know that we protect what hurts, mm. <laughs> right? And so there's that process and horses protect what works. And, and the thing is that in working with horses that are hurt, traumatized, emotionally, yeah. physically, mentally, you realize the limits of the person who did that to them. You realize the limits of their skill. And so that's part of the gifting of the pain. Oh my right? gosh. I have, yeah, mm. I have these horses who come to me broken and and it's understanding. So like I went and I went and evaluated a horse that they want to bring to my barn because the horse has had surgery and it's been with some of the top veterinarians in the country and really beautiful Swedish warm blood. And you know what the answer to getting this horse relaxed was? Taking a bit out of its mouth so that its tongue could move and it could move the saliva mm -hmm. and relax the muscles along the throat so that it could lift his back. And when he hmm. lifted his back, he was able to move. And so it's, it's, wow. I have to understand, I have to understand the technicalities of it. And I think that in my, in my, it's not one or the other. It's not, it's not the, it's not, I mean, it's important to understand the science of your aids. It's important to understand the science of your body in relation to the movement of the horse's body. Um, because there are these, you know, but, but, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's not being binary. It's, it's trusting 
the whale of experience enough that you've gathered all of this knowledge and you pray for the wisdom to use it at the right time. So it's not, it's not one or the other because you know, you know, you know, horses don't connect with you if they're not feeling good in their bodies when you ride them. (laughs) And so it's important, it's important to know how to get them moving in their bodies because what happens is that you know when they engage their backs you know they hold you mm-hmm. they hold you they you you don't have to find your seat they, they give it to you right and so it's important it's important to understand that you know a well-written horse is like a beautiful poem there's the technicality for the syntax of the line there's, there's use of alliteration, there's rhyme scheme, there's rhythm, there's rhythm, it's all rhythm, it's all music, it's all a meditation, it's all a trance. But if you don't, if you don't have the mechanistic structure in place to where you can trust your body to hold you, you can't be present in your mind. Wow. So what, there's so many places we could go, but I actually want to acknowledge something that you just now did very beautifully, um, which I'm going to say you avoided judgment. Because judgment is- I was judging, I was judging the corporate world and said it's bad. And you didn't go into that and say, well, this other method of training is bad. You just said, this is what works. And that's well, actually really brilliant. Because it's too easy, right? If I'm judging if I'm judging something that lets me know where there's hurt in myself that needs to be healed, Mm -hmm. there's no room for judgment. Do you know, I think that that's the, that's what I meant when I said the horses move me from peopleishness, people point, human beings help, (laughs) right? Yeah. And that's the thing is that, it, you know, I mean, we're, we, 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 even in being a slave, that doesn't happen without our permission. Yeah. Slaves to money, slaves to our work, slaves to other people, slaves to relationship. That doesn't happen without our permission. Man. So I've got to let that simmer in because it does, I think. Freedom, oh, wow. freedom, freedom, regardless of where our bodies are, freedom is a mental structure. Yeah. Freedom, 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 freedom comes from letting go. Freedom comes from eliminating everything that doesn't evolve you. Yeah. Wow. No matter where you, no matter where you are, and the brilliance about it is that the more you are able to do that inwardly, the more your life changes outwardly. Yes. The more you eliminate the need to control, the more open you are for communication. And the less you're going to feel you the need I mean? to control, right? Huh? The less you'll need to control. You'll discover you don't need to control, right? The more, the more you begin to understand that, you know, that because for some horses, 
for some horses that are incredibly dangerous who have learned to just shut people out, it's important to know how to control them until they're open to communication. Mm. Right? Yeah. So it's a tool. It's a tool. And it's a tool that's useful as long as you're the master. Mm-hmm. Wow. When, it, when it's the master, all you can do is be bitter. All you can do is try to be small or be big by doing stuff. And it's not about that. It's about what is useful in this space and time so that the end goal is a healthy, happy, open, breathing relationship. Right? Yeah. A really important key to a healthy relationship, healthy boundaries. Yeah. You know? So it's sort of like, you know, I'm getting this picture of sort of a yin and a yang. That it's not one or the other. Yeah, it's a balancing act. And And I think that that's the thing is that we have, you know, we have the dualism, we have the binary, we have the dichotomy. That's all control, but there's a whole world that lives between those two spaces. And that's yeah. where I live. Yeah. That's where I live. I live, I live, I live in the river flowing through either side of the canyon. Oh, that's a beautiful way to look at it. I um I'm writing a book actually right now, and I'm calling it Dancing the Tightrope. Yeah. And that's the basic idea is um the tightrope is very narrow and it's not stable. But on that. If you can, if you have the free heart to dance it, you're not caught on either side. You're actually integrated. Yeah, because once you do that, once you come to that place of trusting the surrender of it, then it becomes a holy thing. And in that holiness, we find our balance. Well, say more about the holy thing. What is oh, it's mean? just, you know, holiness. It's just possibility. Right. <laughs> Holiness is just possibility. Well, and, and so much more, right? What, I mean, there's something in the way you say that, that. Well, you know, mean. I mean, it, you know, it's possibility. It's, 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 it's knowing, like I said, that everything that you see is just a reflection of you seeing what you see, hmm. you know, the shadow can be scary when you re- when you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. When you know where it's coming from, you realize how big light can make you. Yeah. It's just a possible. It's just a possibility. Yeah. And that you and that and that regard and that like what you choose to see and where you choose to look determines what you see. Right. And the and the beautiful thing is is that. You know, like when we are walking with our shadow, with our back to the sun, what people usually don't realize is that we're holding hands with ourselves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there are all, I mean, and, 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 and so it's this, it's this, it's this. And so you, it's, it's a way to really see who, how you are, or it's a way to see be afraid of what you can be. You can be that big. You can be that big. Yeah. And you can turn around and you can make it disappear. You know, it's it's all based on what you 
feel you want, what you feel you're worthy of, right? Because the journey can either be a really wonderful thing or it can be a really terrifying thing. It can be something full of curiosity and communication or it can be filled with something, it can be filled with fear and control and being afraid. But that, but the thing is, is that 90% of the time with people being afraid, the reason they are afraid is one, because they've learned it and two, they don't have a substitute behavior to do anything else. Bingo. Yes. So this is all they know. This is all I know when I do it. Right. Right. And so like, that's where the, that's where in my work, I feel the holiness is my job is just to help find substitute behaviors. Why Mm. is being afraid valuable? That's a question nobody really asks. Yeah. And this thing, and this thing is super, it's, it's controlling, it's controlling these people's lives and they've given the power to it, but they don't know why it's useful. And, and would you say there's any value in being afraid at times? Is there a time? Um, I, I, I think, I think that, I think that, I think that being afraid, um, comes when we feel like we're afraid that we're going to lose control. But if we don't rely on control, then we realize that all we really need to do is take the next step. Mm-hmm. And it's like horses, though. The quality of our next step under uh, of the next step is always predicated on the previous step. Your transition from the trot to the canter is not going to be good if the trot isn't balanced. Yeah. Right? If it's well, not balanced and the horse is on the forehand, <laughs> they're gonna just they're gonna just run off. And then yeah. we get tense and we hold and we get afraid because we feel like we have lost control. And when we do that, we stop breathing and we pull our stomachs in and our arms get tight. And the thing is, is that then we're creating a biomechanic a biochemical response into you know that says okay, my stomach's in and my, my involuntary muscles on my pelvic floor are lifted, which is releasing cortisol and adrenaline to my brain, which is telling me to hunch over and protect my organs in case I fall. Which the horse feels all of that, right? Yeah, of course. And so do we. Yeah. Well, my toes clench. Huh? My toes clench. So what I where, yeah, what I've noticed so, is my so, toes clench. And so then there's that by there's that there's that biomechanical response. Okay. So when the toes clench, oftentimes also the butt contracted and our quadriceps get tight. And because our quadriceps get tight, it closes our hip flexors mm-hmm. and doesn't allow our seat to follow the horse. And then our toes usually will be pushed out in front of our knees, or we get really stiff and bouncy. And the horse drops their back and their head comes up and then we start to pull. Yep. All of that. Been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so in the practice, I mean, and, and it's, it's understanding that like the toes are super magical in their ability to invite the horses back up into the rider's seat. So, you know, the first four toes usually control the muscles in the shin, the tendons and ligaments around and behind the kneecap. And the, the, the quadricep, the pinky toe controls the groin muscle. And really? so, yeah. And so if you can relax the groin muscle, then 
if you can relax the groin muscle and let your body relax, because what happens when you do that, when you relax your toes, your stomach, your abdominal muscles relax. And so then the, and so then the horse's body, the horse's hind legs can move into your seat and you're taking the, the concussion, you're taking the movement of the horse's body into your back. And mm-hmm. so then you start to follow. And so, um, and so, you know, that, and, 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 and that's, that's, that's the first, that's the first, you know, process of, of learning how to be present in your body on a horse. Wow. Is letting them, is letting them move you. So that I remember but, having somebody tell me I had a dead seat. Yeah. And that usually is because you either plop up and down or your seat bones move forward and backward at the same time. Yep. I think it was mostly up and down or, or not much. Yeah, probably mo- actually mo- mo- both at the same time. Because I was yeah. definitely disconnected at the waist, but not doing the back and forth. Right. And so and so what happens <clears throat> is like, if you, if, I mean, and, and, and you can really tell the relationship that people have with their bodies on the ground by how they ride their horses, because our movements, our movements on our horses are, are very, are very natural to us. Like when they walk, we walk when their front leg, you know, when our front leg, when in our, and like our, 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 our thighs follow their front legs. And every time there's their hind leg is under one of their hind legs are under our body and they're about to push that hind leg back, our seat bone comes up, but at the same time, our thigh on that same side is forward. And it's mm-hmm. just like walking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so like, if people have dead seats, it's usually because they pull their stomach in too much and they clump their, they clump their, they clamp their, their elbows to their side mm-hmm. and the horse hollows because they can't move. They can't, the, because horse's hind legs and being the concussion of it isn't being absor- absorbed in the rider's ribs and spine. So like an easy way to just start feeling that is to let your elbows out a few inches either side, hmm. open up your rib cage. Yeah. Yeah. And, I- and, and, and so like this goes back to the pain that people have gifted me with. It brings me this awareness so that I can teach other people this awareness so that the cycle of suffering is broken by knowledge. And that's your purpose, isn't it? Like you're, you're changing the cycle of suffering for horses and for people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and from that conversation I had with Warwick, I mean, I, I've, I've given talks to people on, on, racial injustice and on animal welfare and, um, you know, Buddhist thought, (laughs) you know, because all of these people hear this and they want to, they, you know, when you're, when you say beautiful things that help people feel a lot of folks want you on their team, but, you know, I'm just a simple horseman. No, you're not. (laughs) Yes, you, yes, you are. And no, you're not. So tell me about the talks you've done on racial injustice, because that one really struck. First of all, it's for our time and it is such a hot topic. I had a friend call it the third rail. Um, And 
I'm sitting here as a white woman who, d- who n- doesn't know what I don't know, but, but I don't well, want you know, a lot of justice. People, a so lot of ha- what have you talked do. about on that? I've talked about, so it was for a, a group of uh, Buddhists who are working around um, white Buddhists who were working around how to engage other white people in conversations about racism. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I framed the talk around the idea of, you know, Buddha didn't understand the suffering of other people until he renounced his cloak of nobility. And when he renounced the cloak of nobility and the blindness that it enabled him to have by keeping him out of relationship with other people in their lives, he didn't know that it existed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, the Buddha's cloak of nobility is metaphorical for white privilege. Yeah, that's where I went. Yeah. And so if we, if we just, if, if we then lay down, if we, if we have processes to lay down that cloak of privilege, which will bring us consequently into relationship with other people, then we learn not because we want to learn, we learn because we're making our, we're involving ourselves in other people's lives. Now, a lot of people assumed that I was just talking about white people when I was talking about the, the, the racism, but there's also a very deep intercultural racism among black people. Yeah. And I have, and I, I went and I had a competition in New Mexico where it was held at a arena next to a racetrack. And almost all the grooms there were black. And when they saw that I had won the show, none of them came and talked to me. When they saw me walking the horse around, everything was cool and we were chummy. Right. But when they saw me, when they saw me in my show regalia with this beautiful stallion and we take the high point and and win the show, it was gone. You know? Wow. Well, what is what is that? What's your take on what that is? Well, I don't like to make assumptions and I can only go from what I feel. But the thing is, is that, you know, um, my life is a very different life. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, um, and my, and, and there's a really strong tradition of, of black horsemanship and equitation and really, really brilliant black horsemen. Mm. racers you know you know as far as jockeys and grooms who took care of those horses but also like you have like tom bass who was invited i mean and he was a saddlebred horseman and you know there were people who came from all over the world to watch this man's horsemanship Mm um and he was invited by Queen Victoria for her Jubilee celebration with his mayor, Belle Beach. Um, 
to come give an exhibition and and he declined because he was afraid of the water he, didn't, he was afraid of the ship don't make me go um, across the ocean <laughs> wow but he was but he was he was born a slave hmm. you know and he had this gift he had this gift with horses and he was able he was he 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 he, he had a gift and he knew how to heal them and he knew how to hear them. And mm. in fact, he created a bit called the bass bit that saddlebred horsemen to this day use that he yeah. created for that mare because the, the bridle and the bit that they were using on her is what caused her behavior. Mm. I mean, he couldn't do math. He counted, he, he added, he added, he knew, he, he, he figured his money by kernels of, of grain and oats. He, he, in his mind, he created this system of understanding the biomechanical structure of the horse's mouth and the tongue and the effect of the shank on the horse's jaw and pole and created a bit that is steel that is still used to this day. And he was so great that like wow. the owners of the railroads had his horses. I mean, he had their horses in training. He, 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 he was the friend of, I think he was, he, he was the friend. I think he found uh, Teddy wrote one of Teddy Roosevelt's horses. He trained um, Buffalo Bill Cody's uh gray gray horse um like he was he was recognized the world over as an equestrian genius wow. yeah yeah so so there so there you know i would guess that you are somewhat of an anomaly because i live just down the road from you've probably heard of or maybe you haven't but Tryon international equestrian center they had the world equestrian games in 2018 and so no. it was dressage and show jumping and yeah you know, yeah yeah i just i'm not, a, you know, I'm not familiar with the well i've been over there a lot and i have to tell you i don't see very many black people over there nishan so um yeah and a lot of people and a lot of people don't have access and 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 but a lot of white people don't have access either and then there are traditions of horsemanship among black communities, just like there are traditions of horsemanship among white communities yeah. that I really don't agree with. Right. Yeah. Um, and my devotion, my devotion, my devotion to my horses allows me to not live within the confines of the created thing that race is. Cause it's a oh, created. It is. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a created thing. And 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 and, you know, more than anything else, like, you know, the people who are really in your realm by what they think more than what they look like. My 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 work is born out of my devotion to horses that to horses period. Yeah. I will help whoever is willing to change in the ways that I know are able to help horses. It doesn't matter what you look like, but you know, my dad, hmm. my dad had a, a sign made for me that says only horse shit is allowed in my barn. Only horse shit. 
It's no true. bullshit, right? <laughs> no, that only horse shit. Like, leave your stuff at the door. Yeah. Like, and it's in the contract. It's in the contract. Look, you respect everybody here. Horses, cats, people, the space. You you respect it all, or you can't be here. You know, um, and, do you and, know who Tristan Tucker is? Have you heard that name? He I've does heard the of him, Brett yeah. Kidding videos. Um, one of my friends that does the cranial sacral work with horses, Sue Lamenza, mm -hmm. posted something he wrote that said, you will not call horses names in my barn. We don't call certain horses jerks or assholes or whatever because no. that's not okay. And that sounds no. like your, your dad said that. Well, you know, because, you know, because, you know, the thing is, is that this is what I'm understanding with the, you know, we don't, we don't do that to horses and we don't do that to people and people aren't allowed to do that to themselves here. Like uh, self-deprecation, self-deprecation is not helpful. And, yeah. and it's really easy to, and, and it's really easy to, and I must admit, like it, I, you know, it's really easy to call horses names when you don't understand what it is they're trying to tell you. And, 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 and holding that space of presence is really hard. And I had to apologize to one of my students' horses last week because, you know, I did feel like he was being a total jerk until I realized that his back was still tight and we needed to warm him up a little bit more. Mm. Like, and, and so like, I apologize to him and I apologize to her and we move forward. This isn't, this isn't the process. This isn't a thing of perfection because perfection is rigor mortis. Like there's no life in perfection. No, nope. perfection don't believe is death. <laughs> right, it's rigor mortis, right? Like it's, it, you, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to breathe, but it doesn't mean that progress can, it doesn't mean that progress must be absent of high standards. That's the key, because as soon as you say to people who want to have high standards, and that's a great way to look at it, and you say, don't be perfect, or you say, you know, perfectionist death or rigor mortis or whatever, you'll get that pushback that says, wait a minute, I'm trying to be great. And the answer is yes, you could still have high standards. And you can still be great. And I'm, and I, and I want to be great. Yeah. I want to be one. I, I, I do. I want to be one of the greatest horsemen of my generation, but I understand that it's going to come, not, it's going to come from having the courage to teach people to have the courage to stop running from themselves. Oh my God. And when they do that, when they do that, their training practices change. They that's stop looking at horses. As I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's going to change the planet if you can stop that. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't know, but I'm comfortable not knowing. Mm -hmm. I do know that I have a really wonderful ability with words. You do. <laughs> and I have a really wonderful ability with people who are open to the sensitivities that I have in being able to diagnose things. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, um, and, and it'll help who it'll help. 
you know, I mean, and if it, if it doesn't, like, I still have my farm and I still have my work and I still have these horses and their people who need my help. Hmm. You know, I mean, I just didn't realize how many people wanted it. I opened up a five day intensive here and there are people who are waiting for the the borders to open in Canada so they can trailer their horses down for five days. I believe it. I'm so, you know, you know, your whole life, I feel like your, your ability. So first of all, when I say it's going to change the planet, of course, I'm not putting all of that on you, but what I have, you know, it's go ahead, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say what I've recognized is this thing you're talking about, about how we're so hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up so quickly. And I feel like that's what stops us from changing. We think it's what makes us change but it's actually what keeps us from changing. And if we could somehow give ourselves a little bit of a break, I feel like that all of us would be kinder and we'd be living less in fear and we'd have more courage to be vulnerable. And do you, so the reason why people are so hard on themselves is because they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't feel safe. They don't feel safe enough to be okay with where they're at. So how, how do you help your students become safe enough to be okay with where they're at? I say, this is what your horse is telling me. And this is where the horse is saying that you're holding in your body and put your breath there. Hmm. Put your breath there. Nine times out of 10, when they, and and the thing is, is that when I'm teaching, I can feel in my body where that person is holding in their body. Yeah. You have that kind of empathy, huh? Yeah. I mean, like I can, I I can, I can feel it in my body. That's, That's powerful. And, and, and so like, I, I have a whole like self care regimen that I have to do every day because mm-hmm. um, you got to get rid of that stuff I you have to let it go around. yeah you can't carry that around yeah no um and so you know like I mean and so like, like down to like the food I eat and the music that I listen to and I don't have a television um because it affects my body it closes my body down wow I can't I can't yeah, it's really, it really, it's really, really weird. Um, and so my whole life is built around helping people in this way. And there are things that I have found that I need to do for myself so that I can be open to whoever comes. Yeah. Do you feel like people find you the sort of the same way that the woman talked, you talked about the woman that told you what God had told her about your mom. Do you feel like people sort of find you sometimes that way? I think we're all each other's gifts of grace. Hmm. I think we're, I think we're all each other's gifts of grace. If we could only be open to that and believe it. Well, you know, 
I would say regardless of us being open to it, because we all need help in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And there's always somebody there to help us if we have the courage to ask for it. Yeah. Always. You know, and I think that, you know, it's been this kind of thing where, you know, I've had, I've had people try to put like this savior complex on me. And I'm just like, you know, this is the thing that like, I'm really nothing special in, in, except for the fact that I believe, I believe that, I believe that we're all worthy to be loved. Mm-hmm. And I try to, and I try to do that the best I can. But what you find is that there are some people who don't feel like it and they, and so they don't, they don't accept it. And that's not my problem. Right. You know, I dust, I dust my, I dust off my shoes and I keep rolling. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, because and I could, I could see people doing that. I mean, I could see people putting a savior, savior complex on you because you do speak a lot of words of wisdom, especially for someone as young as you are, because you're, you're what, in your 30s, I'm guessing? Yeah, I just turned 36. <laughs> oh, well, happy birthday. Thanks. So, yeah, that's, um, that's a pretty young place to be. And to have the level of wisdom. But there's a place, there's a place in consciousness, though. There's a place in the consciousness of life where age doesn't matter. No, that's so very, no, that's very true. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a place where you really begin to understand, like our bodies are like our cars, like we get in them and we get out of them. Yeah. They break down, they yeah. break down and we get a new one, you know, like that's, and, and, and like that's, and, and like, you know, you can have a new car. You can have a, a, you can have a, you can be 60 years old in a 2021 car. That's kind of what bodies are like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not, I mean, and it's, go ahead. I mean, and it's, 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 so the thing is, is that, you know, it's, it's understanding that it's understanding that, you know, in the experience of buying that new car, we have knowledge of what we need it for. <laughs> Are, do we need a truck for the mountains? Do we need a truck for mountains? Do we need a sports car for, do we need a sedan for the city? Right? Like, what do we, what do we need it for? You know, I mean, and there's this place where, there's this place where you begin to understand that, that the deeper you go into the breath and the deeper you go into life and the soul of the world and understand what makes it work. Like there is a, there, there are laws to everything, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and like, and like, and you realize that you're, that you can only, you're, you know, people are in this experience to do one of two things to help or learn to help. And that's it. That's the only way pain can be a gift. Right is if you say that again. It, help me understand that more. To help or yeah, learn so, to help. So like you either help or you to help. You know, if somebody hurts you, and you understand that they're hurting you out of that only point of reference for their relationship, that pain is help. Right. Right. 
and and human beings help people are are learning to help <laughs> so even so what you're saying is even when it appears that someone's doing you wrong and there's plenty of that every day it could be intentional or not intentional i just i'm just finishing and i'm about to publish the book called the elegant pivot an inspired move for navigating corporate politics and it's about assuming positive intent as a strategy to pivot from assuming negative intent which i can be very good at but i'm also learning to assume positive intent meaning i'm accepting we all what, can right right and i feel like that's what you're saying is and and you're taking it to a whole nother level because i have four characters in my book accidental annie blameless bobby provocative Peter and fighting Francis. And they all have different places they're coming from. Accidental Annie does something to you and has no idea, is not even in relationship with you. It could be somebody cut you off in traffic. You know, blameless Bobby says something to you and doesn't realize they've hit a trigger point and, and upset you. Provocative Peter actually is kind of poking I wanna, at you. I wanna, I wanna, I, I, so, so, you know, I didn't really understand this until, I mean, I really, really didn't understand this until 2014 when I had come back home and I watched the news report of one of my first cousin's murder. Oh my God. And she was shot eight times, 31. And, oh, wow. And, 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 um, and her, and, and the guy who killed her was acquitted. And, I thought, you know, and then just going into that, like my aunt will always be a mother who buried one of her children. Right. And the pain of that. And her siblings will always be the older sibling who buried their youngest sibling. Right. Oh, I can't even imagine this. And you realize that they've left all of us behind. They've left all of us behind. And you know, I wouldn't, and, and, and the biggest thing that I had to do for myself was detach myself from this idea of justice <laughs> um, so that I would not drown in the hope of something horrible befalling the man who murdered her. I saw the pictures of her body laying down with bullets in it and and 
I was driving one evening and it was after we had buried her. And she showed up in my car and she talked to me for two hours. And I listened to her and I knew that whenever I needed something, I could always just ask her Hmm. and that I didn't need her body to have access to her heart to have access to 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 her presence mm-hmm. her car broke down right meaning her body like car, like car yes yeah but i still have access to the driver i can still call the driver up on the phone wow And when you understand that, there's a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot more that makes more sense. (laughs) Well, it seems so, because is that what lets you put down the wanting justice? Was that what? How do you how do you put down? Because it doesn't matter what happens to him. It doesn't it doesn't matter what happens to him. The work is our, the, the damage is done. Hmm. And it can't, you can't. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens to him because you know what? He has to live with that choice. Wow. I, if I spend my time, if I spend my time hoping and, and that's not to say that I don't get angry. And that's not to say that, that I wasn't angry rather. And it's not to say that I didn't, that I didn't, that I, I didn't want to share with him the pain that he had inflicted. Right. Because that's just but what I did understand. But what I did understand is that it wouldn't have any value. Hmm. It wouldn't have any value. It wouldn't change anything. Wow. Right? I just want you to know that this is how you may. He will never understand Mm -mm. the extent of my pain. Hmm. And the only reason why forgiveness is plausible is because Me, me, me wanting, me wanting him to be a reprimand, me wanting a reprimand for that. Still, if he was in prison, rotting, he wouldn't understand how him putting that blow through her head made me feel. Hmm. He just wouldn't be able to do it. He, he, it wouldn't matter. Right? 
Now, that's not to say that that's not to say that we don't need to be protected from 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 dangerous people. But what more I'm more interested in, what are the circumstances that make people dangerous? What is the root cause? Right. Why is why is dangerous useful? And why then can people who are well-connected just pay their son's way out of facing justice? It's not a real thing. It's only as real as we believe it is. And it's only real for certain people. There are certain people who know that they will because of what they have and who they are, that they will never, never have to own up and face the consequences of the pain that they inflict on other people. Mm -hmm. So it's not about punishing them. It's about, it's about changing the circumstances with which they are able to do that. That's right. the only way that we can make sure it doesn't happen again. It's, it's not about punishment. It's not punishment. It's love. Yeah, it's love. It's loving. How, what strikes how, me. How Go ahead. The world is very small and love is bigger. Hmm. But how can we have it be big enough to where everybody feels it? That's the only thing I'm interested in. When What strikes me is your approach of basically allowing him to live with what he did is actually a lot more painful for him in a way, exactly. whether he gets it in this way, than to say, we're going to meet justice out on top of what yeah. he could be in prison. He could be in prison behind bars off of our tax money and still not feel one ounce of remorse for what he did. Right. And you're Which not totally carrying depends. hatred. The key is you're not carrying hatred. No, because I'm not afraid. Hmm. I have a substitute behavior. Isn't that it? It's a something else besides being afraid. Your alternative behavior. Yeah. That's the same problem. That's the same approach for people with horses. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was just thinking because yeah. one, of the, one of the principles, you called it a law, but it's true. I've learned you really can't stop a horse from doing something, but you can allow and cause him to do something different. So mm -hmm. if this isn't what we want yeah. to do, then let's just keep, okay, okay, we're not going there, but we'll go over here, but we're not going to try to stop something. We just change it. We pivot. Right. We, re, we, we, how can we make the, you know, the process of training horses lay in, in, in understanding how can we make whatever behavior that you're exhibiting useful, mm -hmm. right? And if they're being naughty, there's a reason why they're being naughty. Does the saddle not fit? Mm -hmm. Is the bit hurting their mouth? Are their muscles tired? Did they have enough food before we saddled them so that the, you know, the saliva is coating their stomach and they're not getting ulcers from the, the stress of the work? Like there's all of these things. Is there a dead mouse on the, in the, on the, you know, that they can smell in the kickboard? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's all of these things. There's so much more 
there's so much more that happens in our relationship to horses. When like, I have a horse here and she came because she was really, really, really explosive. But she was really, really, really explosive when her back wasn't up, which mm. would make sense because then her, you know, her, her spinous processes would start to touch each other. And that hurts. Dang. Yeah, of course. And we're all, when, when we were in pain, we jerk, you know, you touch a hot stove, you can't help but jerk your hand back. You're jerking. We're super reactive, right? Can't help it. We're super reactive. And, you know, and so it's like, and so, I mean, and that's where I think the paradigm shift in training theory must come. They, I think that people must understand that a spiritual connection to horses is not a lack of training. It's training out of that spiritual connection. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 and it's understanding that, and it's understanding that, you know, there's a driver inside of that horse's body too that has taught them and life has taught them that what they, that the feelings that they have are real. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, if we, and if we begin to work on that space of just shared driverhood, hmm. right? Right. I shared love this analogy, driver, which is the spirit in the car, you know? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. What if we what if we train out of that place? Then 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 there's a very very clear ethical line that is drawn. Right. You know? I mean and this is the, this is the importance. This is the importance and this is where, you know, you know, letting go of a lot of the peer pressure from dead people that tradition is, this is where this is helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think I just heard you say um, that you had, that you, that you just said peer pressure, right? Tradition is peer pressure from dead people. Yeah. That's what it's, all of our training theory is based on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's based on the commodification of horses. So is that why and you posted the thing about the art of, of writing from the different writing schools with long histories that is more spiritually connected? Well, or? I mean, do you, read even, you read even the history of those schools like Sylvia Locke has a book called Dressage and it's the history of, of, of Dressage that goes way back. And, you know, there's there's always been a line of horse practitioners that understood that deeper connection with horses. Yeah. And, and there's always been, there's always been the people who forced them. This is not a new conversation. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, you know, the horses that I have wouldn't have been able to use you know, because it wouldn't be used. There would be no theory built on them because they just, they, well, they do what they try to do to them. Now they just sell them. They shoot them. Yeah. They send, send, uh, euthanize them. They say that they're not you know? sal salvageable. So they take them out. But I'm interested in their stories. Yeah. Because, you know, those horses bodies hold the stories of the people who made their bodies that way. And I want to understand. Hmm. 
I want to understand. Because when I have a really, when I have a horse that comes in, it is really, really, really easy to think that whoever did this to them was the biggest asshole in the world. When I, but, but I can't do that because I understand that horses end up like this when understanding is lost. Man, that is the ultimate in forgiveness and in, as I call it, assuming positive intent, Nishan. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it's it, it. Yeah, it's like what what if this broken horse's body is the best that this person could do? Yeah, and this is why I teach instead of compete. Yeah, because I don't want more horses' bodies breaking down. Right. I don't want I don't want I don't want more students feeling like they aren't worthy because they're not learning fast enough or they don't have these these abilities in their bodies that I do. Patience is the key to it all. Oh my gosh, patience is so critical and I saw on a I watch Heartland. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. I love this show. It's about people rescuing horses. So it's a series on, t- on Netflix. But one day, one of the guys said in training a horse, he said, when you approach the horse, if you act like it will take 15 minutes, it will take all day. If you have all day, it'll only take 15 minutes. Well, and that this to me is like patience. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's working from a spiritual place. When you don't, when you don't have a timetable, you make really, really brilliant progress. When you have a timetable, you, you, you don't make the progress you need. Yeah. It takes the time it takes. And when time doesn't matter, it takes less time. When time doesn't matter, it takes less time. I've experienced this a lot myself. But it's the same with people. Because what you're saying is like, look, I'm giving you all the space you need to feel safe enough to under to take the time that you need to understand what I'm asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even more still, you're taking responsibility in saying, this is what I'm asking you, but what are you hearing me say? Oh, what a brilliant if question. We, right. What are you hearing me say? Because if you're giving me an answer that I want, then maybe you're hearing a different question than the one that I'm intending. So what is the uh, intent behind the question? Because that's yeah. what horses hear. Right. And really that, that's, that's what humans hear. They don't hear the question. They hear the intent behind the question. And well, this is where, yeah. this is where, and if we can change the intent behind the question, it totally Let's go of the need for control. Wow. Yeah, I've heard it called, um, I work with a guy named Bruce Anderson. He has a, he calls it natural humanship. And he watches me do what he calls double tonguing, which means I'm sort of saying, go stop at the same time or whatever. I'm giving some kind of conflicting Yeah, a double signal. bind message. Yeah. Yeah. And so a the poor horse is sitting there going, you told me to go left and you told me to go right. And so now I'm like, you know, and I'm not aware necessarily that I'm doing that. Right. 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 You call it a double blind message. It's a double bind message. It's a, it's a psychological, 
Yeah, it's a psychological yeah. term. I, I'm aware um, of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, and that's the thing is that, is that, you know, I mean, and, and like, I can, I can, and it's like, I can hear, I can, there have been questions that I've heard you ask, but I heard the intention behind the question, mm-hmm. kind of like the idea where you, where you held yourself back of asking about the idea of reincarnation when I talked about the driver and the car. Good job. Good I, job for catching that. Cause I was I, about to go there. And yeah, I heard I that. Didn't. I heard that. Yeah, you question. heard that part. Good for you. That's yeah. awesome. So, you know, I mean, but this is, but this is, this is, this is what being present means. And, 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 and in the course of this conversation, because we are present to each other, we haven't realized that an hour and 11 minutes has already I, passed. I, this, this is very true. And we could do keep going for five days because now I really understand why you have to have a five day program. Right. Cause we barely is, started. Right. And this is, and so this is, and so this is, this conversation is the conversation of presence. Mm-hmm. Connection is connection is being present. It's not some mysterious psychological esoteric thing that you, that, that that you know we just get by osmosis well we kind of do get it by osmosis because we have a breath and mm-hmm. we have a mind and we have the ability to focus and 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 decide where we're going to be so we're focusing on this conversation but we're aware of time and we need those two things right yeah. I'm focused on you, but I was aware of your telephone ringing. Uh-huh. You know, I'm what focused you, on you. It was supposed to be I'm turned aware, off. Yeah. I'm aware of my cat sleeping here. Yeah. You know, like there's all of these, there's all of these things and there's all, and, and, and that is feel. That's feel. That's feel. It's saying, this is what I'm asking you to do. And I'm focused on my question. I'm, I'm focused on how I'm asking you to do it, but I am aware of what you hear me saying. Yeah. I am writing that question and I'm putting it in my list. I keep a list of good questions. That one may go at the top. <laughs> I'm serious because so often, you know, you wonder why somebody isn't following through or doing, but you haven't asked them, what are you hearing me ask? What are you hearing me say? Yeah. And it opens them up to be able to say, this is what I'm hearing. And then you find out almost nobody is being a jerk on purpose. That was the whole point of my elegant pivot book. They really aren't. And now sometimes they actually are. I mean, once in a while, I call that one Friday Francis. They are trying to be a, a jerk. But what I have actually found. It's useful. And yes. they learn, they learn that it's useful. And, and they're doing it and they're doing it because they're hiding their hurt. Yes. I always say it's offloading pain. They're the ones that yeah, are offloading sure. their pain. And what I've also found is that even when you know they're in a full on attack, if you can still assume positive intent, and this is a very high order, but either they will, con- they will convert is almost a word. They will, they will change and be grateful for not having to be as much of a jerk. I had a guy actually say to me, I didn't have to be an asshole because you allowed me that. Or 
they will become, it will be so obvious that what they're doing is that their, their attack doesn't actually work. It you, they're attacking you out of being afraid. Yeah. And so that goes back to the question that one, we don't have to be ashamed of being afraid. And that's why people are aggressive because they're working out of this place of not wanting to look weak. Yeah. Oh, that's a big one in the corporate world. We cannot look bad. You cannot well, look big, weak. Well, it's, 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 a, it's a big thing in just Western society. Yeah. It's true. You know? I mean, and it was kind of like, it was, it was, it was kind of like, it was kind of like the, the statement. It was, well, you know, well, I'm, it's, 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 there, there, there's a lot of, when you have to feel like you're protecting yourself and, and you have to be hard, it's just as bad as being a pushover. The person pushing over and the person being pushed over, they're running from the same thing. Right. It's just, it's that dichotomy, either side of the river you talked about, right? It's Yeah. It's the cliff. It's the cliff on either side of the river, but it's, but I want to know, I like being in the river because that's where the questions that are waiting to be asked live. Mm-hmm. What is the reason you're like this? Not you're like this and you must change. That's not what I'm interested in. That's so amazing. You know, with this approach, I feel like we could heal so many of the divisions that we have. And I'm not going to go down there because we have, I promised you an hour and we're, we're, we're over that time. Well, we can't, but, but, but say what you want to say about is, that. Is, is that. Why is it valuable? Why is the division valuable? Why is race valuable? Hmm. Because if it wasn't valuable, it wouldn't be a thing. Hmm. Right? Why why is it why is it valuable that inherently we you and I outside of this conversation of presence are still fighting to be equal? Why is that why is that conversation still being had? Right? Why is it something that must that we try and force each other to acknowledge or deny to the point of calling people terrorists because they're like there's an injustice of black bodies being murdered and brought down and felled like trees and we just want you to know that we feel like that shouldn't happen. That's not terrorism. No. You know what I'm saying? No, it's not terrorism. That's saying, hey, you didn't hear me when Stop. I Stop. It's like, hey, look, you've crossed the boundary. This is and no different. Yeah. The boundary over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And and like and like we just want you to stop. And we don't want you to have an excuse. Yeah, we'll, we'll burn down. We'll burn down buildings instead of kill people. Why? Because people matter. Hmm. People matter first. And and you know, people get so offended because it's like, do you know how much that building was worth? You're wasting money. 
And I put quotes around money. Yeah, I mean, like, but the thing is, is that but the thing is, is that the building is in service of the of the car, whose driver you just pulled out of the out of the steering wheel. Right. Well, it's right? which one's more valuable? The building, and the building has no value without <clears throat> you know places are only places because people are in. Without anybody there, when I was in China, they have built whole cities where nobody lives. Really? Yeah. Just to keep the economy going, they have built whole cities where nobody lives. Well, with all the crowding in China, why wouldn't some of those people want to go move to the city where there's space? <laughs> well, because there's no jobs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The work was to build the building that nobody would live in. Just so they had something to do. Just so they could keep the economy going by giving money to workers. Wow. That's out of balance. And so the thing is, is like when you have that perspective, when you have that perspective, there's a whole lot that changes. That, you know, a, a building is only valuable as long as it's in service to people. Mm -hmm. This is so true. You know? And like, why are we using this buildings and building as an excuse for people not to, to, to see each other? And then, and then why is it only okay for certain people to destroy buildings? Right. 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 Well, and why and is why it okay some that call terrorists? Why is it okay for the people who say that you shouldn't destroy buildings? Why is it okay for them to destroy buildings and nothing happens? This right. is the problem. You know, and this is the and 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 why is that? Because because they're afraid that, because that building no longer represents that dominance that that group of people once had. Well, isn't terrorism um, a word for, it's a way we label what people do to be heard when they don't have power. Exactly right. Exactly. And, and, isn't that, and isn't that what we do to ourselves, our own bodies? And isn't that what we do to other people's bodies? And isn't that what we do to our horses' bodies? Because, because we feel like we're losing control. So where's it's my all about control and being afraid. <clears throat> yeah. We're running from a part of ourselves that we don't want to see. We're, we, our backs are to the light and we're running from our own shadow. What a visual. Wow. That's a... That's so powerful. I... I am, I'm going to start wrapping this up, but I have a way I typically okay. ask because you've got horses, you got to go train. Um, I actually was supposed to have a riding lesson today, but we canceled. It's not, not an appropriate weather day to be out there today. But I, I, I often ask my podcast guests this last question. Um, and then I'm going to tell people how to find you, of course. And it's, and it's this one. Um, and I, I have no idea where you'll go with this, but I know this question is going to resonate with you, which is what if, if you could ask anything of the people who are listening, what would it be? 
to honestly take a deep breath and really listen to how it makes you feel. Hmm. Figure, feel where you're not allowing it to touch and explore why you feel like you have to protect yourself from yourself in that space. Hmm. And that, and, and then when you get there and you have the courage to explore that or not, the only thing that will stop you is if you don't feel like you deserve to be healed. Wow. And so my question would be, do you feel like you're worthy to be better than you are? And so that's the place to start. Yeah. If someone is feeling unworthy and can't get themselves out of the cycle, what would your suggestion be to stop themselves from getting an, you know, I've heard it called the shame spiral, but how would you, how would you ask somebody, would they need to get a, a counselor, a therapist, go work with horses, find a coach? Is there a question they could ask themselves? What would be the best way out of that spiral? I think the first thing is to acknowledge that the pain is real. Hmm. Because and, and, and I'm also going to say this. I've known people who did everything that they were supposed to do. Um, and nothing worked. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's a perfect world hmm. um, that has all of the answers outside of yourself. But I, I do know that um, I think that, I, I, well, I do know that, like, sometimes wanting to be better is reason enough for trying to get better. Right. And so, and so, and so, um, and in doing that, whether it's a, a significant other or children or animals or something like that, like find or finding something to be better for, if you're not enough to be better for yourself, finding something to be better for, and then trying trying to find the support to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is... That, I mean, because it's... It's an acknowledgement that life is is super tough sometimes. <laughs> well, what you're really talking about is that we're all all on some kind of journey, some kind of path, and the life of presence isn't about achieving the goal or getting something or anything like that. And, and it's, it's not about, about feeling good. It's, and it's not about feeling good, and it's not about feeling bad. It's about feeling what's need what you what you what you, what is to be felt. It's and about feeling what is to be felt. Yeah, my mommy, my mommy, my mommy, she told me once, she says, listen, when you stop running away from what you think will make you feel sad 
and you stop running towards what you think will make you happy, you find yourself. And that wow. is good, and that is a good place to be. So strive softly. <laughs> strive softly. Your mother sounds amazing. Um, what a good teacher She's wonderful. you had. Yeah. Are you going to have her in your programs? Will she be there to visit with people? Does she live near you? Can, oh, can people get to know together. her? We have, a big, we have a big farmhouse. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we all live together. She runs, she runs my business part. Really good. Well, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you to stay on as we wrap this up because I want to visit real quickly after we hit recording. But, sure, sure. Um, but tell, tell people how they can find you. Well, right now, um, the simplest and easiest way, uh, I have, I just have a Facebook page. Uh, yeah, which is amazing. Um, yeah, and that's the, that's the easy, all my contact information is there. Yeah. Um, I, it might take me a while to get in, back in touch with you, but I will. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, so I probably talked over, he said, what he said was Nashawn Cook and that's N-A-H-S-H-O-N Cook. Horse yeah. And yeah. we'll have a link to that in our show notes as well. But there's sometimes people are driving down the road and they want to remember it. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, your Facebook is, is wonderful. And um, so I am so incredibly grateful for this. We may just have to have a round two um, at some point. Yeah, let me know. I'm, you... Because this, I, yeah, like I said, sure. we could continue doing this for a very long time, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining this. And I know so many people will be grateful as well. And guys, I'll be posting this on Facebook. Be sure and put in your, your comments um, after you listen to it and let us both Nishan and I know what you think about this conversation. Thank you for listening to the creative spirits unleashed podcast. I started this podcast because I was having these great conversations and I wanted to share them with others. I'm always learning in these conversations, and I wanted to share that kind of learning with you. Now what I need to hear from you is what you want more of and what you want less of. I really want these podcasts to be of value for the listeners. Also, if you happen to know someone who you think might love them, please share the podcast. And of course, subscribe and rate it on the different apps that you're using, because that's how others will find it. Now, I hope you go and do something very fun today.